I'm never satisfied. I can't have one shot of whiskey, I have to have 20. I can't go work out, I gotta go train until I can't stand up anymore and I gotta be dragged out of the gym. I can't win a championship, I have to win all of them. I can't screw one girl, I have to screw all of them. I can't drive a little bit of the speed limit, I have to drive 120. I can't win a fight. I have to pulverize that guy and torture that guy so bad that when I look into his eyes, I know that he will never screw with me again. So am I satisfied being Jimmy Jacobs in a street fight, pounding him with a chair, suffocating him with his own memorabilia jacket that he thought was so cool? No, no, I'm not satisfied at all. Not even close. I live a very shallow, hollow existence. I live life the way it meant to be lived. I live life to feel alive because I have nothing to live for. I don't have a real life. I don't have a family. I go to the bar on Thanksgiving by myself and I watch football. And that's the way I like it. So you think I'm going to turn down this opportunity to go in pay-per-view in front of the whole world, go fight live TV and pound Jimmy Jacobs. One more time, because I never get tired of it, man. I will never get tired of beating Jimmy Jacobs' ass. It's so much fun. I could do it all day long because I just absolutely despise your little punk ass. You know, I'm going to turn down a chance to go in front of the whole world on live pay-per-view where I can say and do whatever I want. There's no filters. Nobody can stop me. There's nothing left on the cutting room floor. Paralyzed Jimmy Jacobs in front of the whole world on live pay-per-view. I've thought about it, Jimmy, and I'm completely 100% comfortable with you living the rest of your life in a wheelchair. Believe that. So yeah, you got your match, bro. Let's do it! It's on! Again, there's one big difference between me and you, Jimmy. Jimmy Jacobs calls me an egomaniac. And he's right, he's completely right, I am. When you be, you were this good? He's right. But there's one big difference between me and you, Jimmy. You are a victim. Let some slut drag you around by the balls in front of the whole world for years. You let drugs destroy your life because you're weak. You're weak, Jimmy. You're a victim. So if you want to do this, let's do it. I quit match. Old school, old fashioned. Somebody's got to say, I quit. No excuses this time, Jimmy. You're going to say, I quit. All your legacy, everything you've done in this sport, your whole history, everything you have to show for your years in this sport, you're going to hand it all over to me, Jimmy. You're going to hand it over to me. You're going to say, this is too damn torturous and I can't take any more. And I'm going to hand it over to John Moxley. You're going to quit. 
everything you have. You're gonna hand it over to me, Jimmy. You're gonna quit. You're gonna give it all to me, Jimmy. Willfully. You're gonna damn give it all to me. Willfully, Jimmy. You're gonna give it to me. You're gonna quit. You're gonna quit on October 29th and I'm here for you. You're gonna quit, Jimmy. You're gonna say, I give it to you, John. Here it is. I quit. Hello and welcome to Wild Thing. This is the John Moxley Career Review Podcast and that promo that led us in was John Moxley at his Indie-rific finest. That is the I'm Never Satisfied promo and it is epic. It is, and I quote, lovely stuff. Not my words, Michael, the words of Shaken Stevens. Yes, it is a brilliant promo and it really sets the tone for what we're going to be looking at today. We're going to be going right back into John Moxley's independent career before WWE. But before we do that, we just want to note John Moxley's had an absolute fantastic week. He absolutely hit it out of the park at uh, Windy City Riot. He had an absolute banger of a match with Will Ospreay, one of the best in the world at this moment in time. Both men had a bloody, hard-hitting affair. They both had their working boots on. They worked extremely hard, nearly killing each other in the process. And it was a fantastic match right up to the end. And in the end, John gets the win. And then he sets up an epic match for one month's time at New Japan's Capital Collision. He is going to be going one-on-one with Tanahashi, the ace of New Japan. And these two have been like ships in the night. They have never ever met each other they've been wanting to meet each other for what seems like years now they have never had a chance to actually get in the ring for one reason or another like sliding doors but now finally finally they get back into the ring and they're going to meet each other one on one and i can't wait for that but today's episode we're not going to new japan as we say we're going to be going right back to dragon gate usa we're going back to one of the best feuds of John Moxley's pre-WW career. It's John Moxley versus Jimmy Jacobs, the underrated Jimmy Jacobs. And to help me look back at this feud, I've enlisted the help of Voices of Wrestling contributor and all-round top guy, Adam Berger. Adam, what's the crack at you? How are you getting on today? Ah, wonderful. Excited to be here and uh, talk about a great feud that doesn't really get a lot of attention. You have no idea how happy I am just to be able to talk about this. So thank you so much. I really love this feud. This is, if anyone hasn't watched this, I encourage you listen to this podcast and get out and watch this. There's plenty available from lots of means where it's on YouTube or Daily Motion or, of course, Billy Billy. But first and foremost, what are your memories of professional wrestling that got you here? What made you a fan? What was it that you latched on to? So... I kind of came to wrestling at the absolute perfect time for what would make someone a lifelong fan. It was kind of the perfect storm. So I started following it in uh, 1995, shortly after the Royal Rumble, but before New generation. Yeah, I'm a new generation kid. So 
Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, Diesel, Razor Ramon, Hakushi. Undertaker. Oh, def- <laughs> no, I'm not even joking. Definitely Akushi. He was one of my favorite guys. Like, guys. I, I absolutely loved him. And uh, yeah, there was that build with Lawrence Taylor against Bam Bam Bigelow. I honestly had no idea who Lawrence Taylor was, but I thought Bam Bam Bigelow was awesome. <laughs> as, as, an Irish, as an Irish fan, I had no idea who Lawrence Taylor was until WWE. I, I not, we don't get American football really over here until probably 2010 it was. It's not a big thing still at this stage, but Lawrence Taylor, he definitely stuck out. He's presented as a big deal. And to be honest with you, as a celebrity, you know, appearance goes, he kind of kicked it out of the park. Now, looking back on it, I totally get why it was a big deal, but I was seven years old. I didn't watch sports yet. Um, so so I, I was clueless. But yeah, so then like randomly one day, my parents were like, oh, hey, you like uh, Adam, you like wrestling now. Hulk Hogan's going to be on. I'm like, what? Who's that? Like I had heard his name, but I didn't know who he was. So then started watching WCW with, you know, Hogan, Savage, Sting, Flair, Vader. Definitely was into Vader. So uh, even though 1995, a lot of people were like, oh, that was kind of a bad year and it wasn't very good. I, I didn't know it was bad because it was the first time I had watched anything. So it was all great to me. And then that set the stage perfectly then for uh, Hall and Nash doing the invasion angle with the NWO. And my mind was just blown at that point. Lovely stuff. Listen, I can definitely relate to you as like a, a fan growing up in that particular era. I know how vital the new generation was to me, even though hindsight, it's probably not the best period in professional wrestling, but like so many characters, like we say there, just just, just to latch on to, whether it was like, I was a huge Lex Luger fan back then, like before he jumped to WCW, I loved his team music, I loved this, this guy looked like a million bucks, he didn't wrestle like a million bucks, but like these are the kind of guys that like, you could latch on to, Hikushi, you know, Adam Bomb, for example, I know obviously the TV big, big guy, Brian Clark, but like, yeah, it was a really good memory, but like, that's where you began. But what for you is the pinnacle of professional wrestling? What If you someone said, show me some good professional wrestling, what do you show them? Oh, man, that's a great question. I mean, I've thought about this a lot. I think what makes great wrestling is some combination of like three elements. It's, it's personality, storytelling and athleticism. It's some combination of those three. And so you're, you're going to say King Mabel Diesel 95. <laughs> Hey, Nash works his ass off trying to make that work and just has no hope, but he's trying. He's trying. So like my favorite, my three favorite wrestlers of all time, it's kind of a weird mix. Two of them are related. One of them is not, but uh, CM Punk, Bret Hart, and Hayabusa are uh, are my three favorites. So, you know, Hayabusa, awesome flying stuff that just stands out immediately. You know, there's fire and barbed wire and all sorts of crazy stuff that, that he's doing. You know, Bret Hart, just classic storytelling cm punk great character work awesome promos really captivating yeah it's a some combination of those three elements it's gonna make for for great pro wrestling and even if it just has two it can still be good what was your first memory of john moxley or dean ambrose i assure you it's probably john moxley considering you were covering this feud today it's actually this feud um wow. so awesome. this is this is my first exposure to John Moxley. So this was in 2010. So like, I'm still, I'm following, you know, I, I had been following Ring of Honor since, you know, like the Punk Raven feud in like 2003. And, you know, some sometimes, you know, my interest levels, you know, there were peaks and valleys with it. But Jimmy Jacobs was always a guy that I really liked and kind of paid attention to. And I think I found out about this feud. I wasn't following Dragon Gate USA religiously by any means, but 2010 was a weird time because Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson, he got got fired from the Nexus and then 
went back a few months later for SummerSlam, but then he still had indie dates that he was doing in Dragon Gate USA. And so I remember seeing like, oh, he's going to wrestle this guy named, uh, this guy named John Moxley. And then I found like this promo that Moxley had done online. And then like, oh, Jimmy Jacobs is feuding with him too. So that was, you know, kind of how I got into it. And that was a pretty cool match. Like, even though like we knew kind of Brian Danielson was going to be going anyway, like he still got out of bed and actually tried to do his best to put a shine. Now, he probably didn't break his neck trying to do this, but he, he definitely gave John Moxley a rub here. He gave him a lot of time. And, you know, many people would actually do that in modern pro wrestling to actually keep your dates. So he'd probably just say, you know what, I'm going back to WWE. Just forget about this, sure, we'll cancel it. But this this guy's committed and you got to love him for that. Oh, yeah, that was, it was, it was good stuff too. It was good stuff. He's just a, just a total pro. Total he is, but like for people obviously that are listening that aren't familiar, this is 12 years now, 12 years ago, this really, this feud begins. So this is pre-FCW, pre-WWE. This is as raw John Moxie as you can get. And at this period in time, he's he's starting to put the pieces of the puzzle starting together. Things are starting to click for him. He's finding what his strengths are. He's, he's no longer you know, sporting pink hair, for example. He's, <laughs> he's getting things. And he's meeting this guy, obviously, Jimmy Jacobs, who's already had a bit of a storied career in Ring of Honor. What were your first memories, first of all, of Jimmy Jacobs before he came to this feud? Oh, man. Jimmy, Jimmy Jacobs is such a fascinating character um, and one who definitely doesn't get enough attention. Yeah, if you're not familiar with Jimmy Jacobs, he's basically like, imagine like a mini Raven, except like if Raven like actually bothered to be motivated to bump his ass off and evolve his character over the years. He's, he's like a jacked up Tony Khan, I think, in appearances. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, he's smaller than Austin Aries, yeah, in terms of his size, but he's not a high flyer. Like he can bump really well but he's not someone who's going to do like a bunch of flips or anything and that's really what's what's kind of held him back over the years i think from you know having you know tna be interested in him and push him or, or wwe but he was just an awesome mind for wrestling like you know as an example he was a writer for wwe for a few years and you know chris jericho publicly gives him credit for coming up with the list Oh, the list, the list of Jericho. And let's be honest, that's got over really big to, still to this day. At this stage, Mox again, he's, he's young. He's a hungry young fighter, kind of like Moses lacked before he becomes kid presentable. But <laughs> he is like he's he's on the rise. He's getting a bit of traction. People are, are starting to give him a lot of buzz. What were your opinions of Moxie before this feud began? Well, yeah, I I, start, I got into him right as this was starting. So I, I had like looked I looked him up once I started seeing him in this feud and you know working with uh, with Brian Danielson. And th- there's the crazy deathmatch stuff th- that he does. But the promos, like I'm just finding these promos online left and right. And I'm like, holy crap, this guy's amazing. Like he's going to be he's going to be a huge star. Like I didn't even see to wrestle yet but just from the promos i was like man this guy is so good he's so good and that's what he's always had that like that's that's mm-hmm. not something that he learned in wwe you know or from dusty or anything like that like i'm sure maybe they helped him fine-tune some things but he's just always just had a gift for for promos he's definitely always had a an aura or at least a physical charisma about him and then when he begins to speak and you can see this sort of mesh with his his winding sort of you know joker heat ledger-esque promos or even the, the young james spader in some sort of ways like he just has this captivating presence and it, it comes across in some of these promos that we go through here and like it, he's, he's a fascinating guy yeah he, he really is he really is and like this feud really kicks off really obviously it's in 2010 and this begins with jimmy jacobs is returning 
to Dragon Gate USA. He's returned to the indie scene after you know, a, a, probably a, a little bit of a sabbatical, if you will. And Moxley is obviously on the rise. What were your thoughts on these two first class hits? It seems like a perfect match, really. It just about knowing Jimmy's history, like if you don't know much about Jimmy Jacobs' history, he starts doing this berserker or bruiser Brody character, you know, wearing the furry boots and yelling huss, which is funny because he's, uh, you know, he's a tiny guy. And then he kind of goes into, he becomes this emo kid, basically, who's in love with his manager, Lacey, who won't give him the time of day and kind of tailspins him into eventually becoming this brutal cult leader um, with Age of the Fall, tagging with uh, Tyler Black or Seth Rollins. So he's just what, had this- What a faction day were, by the way. Oh, uh, the, the debut of Age of the Fall, where uh, he's wearing all white- and it's after uh, the Briscoes had this ladder match with um, Generico and Steen. So they're beat up. And then he just shows up with, with Tyler Black and the Necro Butcher and just beat the crap out of the Briscoes. They're all bloody. They string them up using the cables that the belts were hanging on. And then the Briscoes are just bleeding on Jimmy as he's cutting this promo wearing all white, his hair his coat just totally drenched in blood. At one point, he actually drinks their blood. <laughs> just, it's just a totally to- visual. Just to- totally insane. So, you know, Age of the Fall, they had their ups and their downs. Some people loved them. Some people didn't like them that much. But they had all kinds of awesome, you know, brawls and crazy matches. And when I figure out, like, oh, Jimmy Jacobs is now feuding with this guy who's like a deathmatch guy in John Moxley, it's like, oh, this is just, this is absolutely perfect. And these two, of course they come to our very first really match, if you will, at Dragon Gate Uprising on the, it was the 8th of May, 2010. It's a no disqualification match, but there's a good bit of back and forth and a bit of history before this match. Adam, what was your think thought of the build and really how they got to this point? Yeah, so the build, the build's interesting. Moxley hadn't been in Dragon Gate USA for that long. He, he kind of started just hanging out with the Brian Kendrick uh, for some reason. So Kendrick has a match against Jimmy Jacobs. And at this point, Jacobs is, he's not doing a crazy character or anything. Like he always kind of dresses flamboyantly. But his storyline is basically, hey guys, I've had a hell of a life and a hell of a career. I'm just here to wrestle. And so he has this match against Brian Kendrick and Kendrick immediately just brings out his former girlfriend, Valet Lacey, uh, to, to distract him, which works. You know, Kendrick gets the win. And then after the match, he tells Jacobs, oh, now I'm really going to torture you. So you think he's going to like make out with her, but then he pushes her away and Moxley just takes her head off with this clothesline. Oh, like, it's vicious. 2010 was a very different time, which we're going to get into in terms of spots like that. But that's how this starts. Um, and then there's there was a there's also a tag match. Um, so, yeah, it was in uh, uh, March 2010. Um, it's Kendrick and Moxley and Jimmy. You know, he's a smart guy, so he wants to he needs a partner to go up against Kendrick and Moxley. And so he gets Paul London, who was uh, Brian Kendrick's former tag partner. And this I don't know how much you want to get into it, but this is just like the most bizarre match I've ever seen. Especially after the history of obviously what London and Kendrick have gone through themselves. It's so weird. Like, like Kendrick basically doesn't want to wrestle London at all. It, it's really funny because basically it spins off the Kendrick and Jacobs thing into a feud for Moxley and Jacobs. So Moxley and Jacobs basically just brawl the entire time and are just fighting each other constantly. And then, like, as they're doing that, like, Paul London gets on the mic and 
just cuts this really weird promo where he like mentions Kendrick losing to a pedophile, which was actually a uh, one of his last matches in WWE before he was released <laughs> was against Sherry Lawler. So that's what that was in reference to. And then eventually they start wrestling and then, uh, yeah, it's just so weird. Teddy Hart comes out and then like, try, like Kendrick cuts this promo where he's like, Paul London, these people don't care about you. Why are you like wrecking your body for them? I care about you. And then Teddy Hart comes out and cuts the opposite of the you people promo. He's like, no, the fans deserve, you know, they deserve for us to put on a performance. And then he just like, does an acai moonsault outside onto Jacobs and Moxley who have been brawling this entire time. Like they haven't stopped fighting. So Hart takes them out with a moonsault. Then he comes back in and does another flip for no reason, which I think is probably like a reference to that ring of honor thing that happened uh, a number of years before that. And then Kendrick and Lundgren just, just uh, gang up on Teddy Hart and start beating him up. So it made no sense at all. It was totally bizarre. Like at one point, you can actually hear a fan yell, what is going on? It was completely <laughs> puzzling. It was completely, like, as you say, bizarre is the really correct word. It was like, some, some things are obviously making sense, but there's a lot of confusion here. There's a lot of what way and direction is this really, this story going in for these guys. But Moxley and Jacobs themselves, they really power through and they kind of, they are like a oh, sidebar yeah. to this confusion sort of tale. But there's one Mox promo, which comes just before this that like i'd like to get into and like he uses the phrases somewhere i want to know what mike quaggenbush's blood tastes like i'm willing to bet you're gonna fold the first time i hit you these are this is he was so intense he's authentic and the one thing i can say like you believe every every word this motherfucker oh. saying oh yeah yeah he is he is so convincing so yeah like dragon gate usa was working with chikara at this time so there's a number of chikara guys on a few shows here and so moxley he has a couple lines that are so good um, but this is actually, it's a good setup because it kind of gives his perspective on, I guess, other wrestlers in general, but specifically Jimmy Jacobs. So he says, like, I think you're full of it. I want to see what you guys are made of. Then he drops this awesome line. I want to find out if Hallow Wicked deserves to wear such a scary mask and have <laughs> yes. such a bitchin' name. <laughs> like that's just that's a great line but then yeah i want to find he out says about, he says about such literary respect he's like you know i kind of dig that name it's pretty cool let's you know let's see if it fits yeah and then you're li like i, I want to find out if jigsaw can really take a punch i want to know what Mac, mike quackenbush's blood smells like because he couldn't tell you just uh just such a such a great line and in that promo he admits that jimmy jacobs has gotten under his skin so you know, these other guys, he, you know, doesn't have any respect for really. But Jimmy, it's like, okay, Jimmy has his attention now. It is. And this is the first match of four matches we're going to be covering in this feud. And it's a really, this is really where it begins. And this match itself here, at, you know, at Uprising here in 2010, it's, 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 a, it's a starter. It's nearly like a sampler of what was really to come. What were your thoughts in this match? And, you know, how did you feel in hindsight? It's more of like a, a kind of a TV match that's setting up the angle for, for the better stuff that's going to come. One, the first thing that stood out to me was, oh, yeah, John Moxley was the leader of Kamikaze USA, which featured, which featured Shingo Takagi and Akira Tozawa. What a faction that was. Yeah, it's, it's an excellent match. 
match. I mean, it's not it's not like a great match, but it's a good match with a lot of story in it, and it really gets across, you know, uh, uh, both characters and and sets up a lot of great stuff to come. It's a four step on what is a very bloody ladder, if you will. <laughs> very, very yeah, very violent ladder, very sadistic one. And like, there's some really good spots in this. Even like you say, it's a short sort of like, nearly sampler before we get to the main course, where you just like again, you see, of course, the suicide dive transitions into the, the awesome guillotine choke i really always loved that spot i think jacobs really very competent man trying to apply that kind of move there's a nice springboard cover from jacobs there's a nice spear into the chair which is sold really nicely it's i i mean for what it was it was perfectly fine one of the things looking at my notes now I, one of the things that stood out to me was uh moxley has this valet um and she appears to just be a random woman like they yes. don't really give the, her the a com- name the commentary the- buries her they actually refer to at one point as that broad, and like that's <laughs> that's the commentators referring to her as that. I remember and the phrase they, they use the phrase, "If we can call her a woman." <laughs> twenty ten was a different time, man. No it's, respect for the females whatsoever. <laughs> back in twenty ten, Dragon Gate. No, but she she plays into the finish actually. Like if you're gonna have a valet, you you should have her incorporated into the match which they do here you know jacobs has has moxley and the the guillotine and you know she comes out and and bothers him gets into it and then she ends up getting speared so yeah it's just such wild stuff like like these two like there's there's a fork that these guys use there's like a wrench or a tuning fork or something they it's, say it's, it's used it's, it looks like a turnbuckle fork I think. yeah that's like you know the side of where the turnbuckle would be but again like, it is like a tuning fork you're correct yeah so like that's so these guys are just this is like their first singles match so they're, they're just going for it just and going the, for the it the right fans there. ate up there's a period where jimmy jacobs gets launched he launches himself over the barrier onto Mox. And that's just a, like, again, it's a simple spot, but the fans eat up. It gets them more invested. And, it, you know, it really heats them. This little sort of, again, it's a basic match. It's nothing really spectacular in the grand scheme of things, but it gives this a nice bit of heat. Oh, yeah, for, for sure, for sure. It, it accomplished exactly what they needed it to do. And then, of course, the next match they have is a little bit down the road. We're looking at in September 25th, and it's a street fight. Dragon Gate Untouchable. There's a lot of promos in the in the build-up to this that really give this match the, the heat that it needs, the, the spicing up. It really does really a bit more juice than the last one. What was your thoughts on the build? Uh, the build for this is, is absolutely fantastic. Um, both guys do such a good job explaining, like, why they dislike the other one. And it's not just like, okay, this guy did this to me, and so now I'm going to do this to him. I mean, that's part of it. But really, it's just like as individuals, as you know, as characters, as people, they just don't like each other. They're just like kind of di- they have a lot of similarities, but those those similarities, I think, they kind of see the worst in each or the worst parts of themselves in each other. And I think Moxley is even a little bit in denial about that too, which uh, just kind of amplifies the intensity quite a bit. Jacobs kind of sees the, the evil in Mox that he used to be inside himself, and he's like, you know what? I can see where this is going. I'm gonna nip this in the bud beforehand but there's, there's some great lines in these promos like he, the, the ones from Mox where he's like oh he's like giving a little whiny voice you know like I like to like candles I like to listen to my chemical romance I like to cut myself like he's actually disgusted that Jimmy Jacobs is comparing himself to him yeah Jacobs he, he says you know John Moxley's a self-serving egomaniac with an inferiority complex and he's able to recognize that because you know that's how he sees himself and how he used to be. He says like Moxley is my past, and I'm gonna wipe him off the face of the earth. And Moxley's reaction to that is 
you know, he calls Jacobs a spoiled little rich kid that listens to My Chemical Romance alone in his room and cuts himself. <laughs> and then he says, don't ever compare yourself to me. And he makes fun of Jimmy's line. He says, you're going to wipe me off the map. What does that even mean? That's just, that's just wrestlers <laughs> talk, you know? And like Mox is very, he's very authentic. You know, you can, you can tell that this guy's had fights in his life growing up. Like, so he sees this like spoiled rich kid, you know, who's just like sad about, you know, being sad, basically. That's how he perceives him. And he just hates him. He hates being compared to him, just rejects it so hard. And that's kind of where his, where his hatred really comes from. Yeah. Like if you read Mox's book, like, you know, like, I don't know if you've read it yourself, but like, you can see he does have this, you know, minimalist life. He hadn't got much growing up. He was in plenty of scrapes in the schoolyard you know he documents one guy where like this guy ripped his shirt and he started coming into his mom looking for here pay for my basketball shirt you know you're, you're john's they're ripping this and this, of course he's like what the fuck does this guy think he is and he's like i'm gonna sort this shit out at school tomorrow and he makes a beeline for him off the bus they, they track each other down he kicks the shit out that's <laughs> like this this guy is like a nearly a method wrestler in the sense of he's using his real life stories and tales to really vision himself in these storylines and you can see it here he sees jacobs as this little punk that is entitled and for whatever reason thinks he is like had a hard life and he's going to show him what a hard life is yeah and, and jimmy jimmy's counter to that is actually really it's really interesting so he, amazing. Acknowledge, yeah, yeah. He, he, he acknowledges he's like yeah my dad is a federal judge my brother has a phd uh one call i don't have to do this street fight i can just you know have a normal job and have a have a good life but he's like i shunned comfort for the life of a pro wrestler not because i have to but because i want to and yeah. maybe that makes me more dangerous than you the, think the I am. words he uses right here is i could give my i could give up right now i could give up call my daddy and get out of here but i'm not gonna do that and that's it's it's so good babyface stuff i love it oh yeah yeah no these guys are both just on just just totally on and that's that's kind of one of the sad parts of this this feud kind of gets lost to time a little bit just because of like when it happened so like like these promos are just on YouTube. Like Jimmy Jacobs promos are on a just a YouTube channel called Jimmy Jacobs. But like if if they did this program now in the social media age, like you know with Twitter or Instagram, and these things could spread, it, it would it would have been so much bigger. Oh, 100 percent. And you could, there's a lot of things a lot of people today could use, like especially in like AEW, where you know things like this can obviously help get yourself over, and you might actually be appreciated, not like in WWE where you get yourself on your own, pal. You're you're fucked. These new talents these days could look back at these and just see this is how a baby face cuts a promo i don't think jake jacobs was ever known for his baby face work primarily like but these this these promos are well written they're well delivered jacobs uses the line here like that the only thing that's going to be rolling off your tongue is going to be your own blood and i was like that's brilliant it's so simple and i've never heard anything like this before this is fantastic stuff oh yeah and that's these guys are it's just like call and response you know it's almost like jazz like two guys improvising because that line is he's countering the line that Moxley had in his promo yeah, where he exactly. says Chicago street fight I like the way that rolls off my tongue it's just it's just great stuff here between the both of them they have such great chemistry even when they're not in the same room together yeah and they, they, they have this sort of this very very good bounce off each other chemistry like you say like and Jacobs is like I see what you say this is what I'm gonna have a good think about it and I'm gonna use that in my promo and I'm gonna like, turn this back on you and it's just it's simple. It's really effective. And this is what we want. And this brings us to the second match on our little Moxie Jacobs feud. It is at Dar Dragon Gate USA's Untouchable 25th of September. Adam, what do you think of this? Did this match 
exceed your expectations compared to the first one? Oh yeah, yeah. This match is great. This match is so great. Yeah, I mean, just the the way it starts. So Moxley comes out, does his entrance. He he has another random woman with him that they don't they don't know who she is again, which I guess is part of his gimmick um, at, at this point. But then then Jacob comes out and he's wearing the white bloodstained jacket that he wore for the age of the fall debut. It is still stained with the blood of the Briscoe brothers. (laughs) Like years later, he still has it still has all their, their blood on it. And then he doesn't have any music or anything. You know, he just, he start he cuts this promo and, you know, he says that, uh, you know, this is the jacket I wore when I drank a man's blood, but that's part of my past. And then he takes the jacket off and he says, there's an, there was a time before I was a rev- revolutionary or I had fallen in love, which is re- referring to his emo character. Mm-hmm. He says, where I was a little berserk. And then he has like these tearaway pants that he rips off to reveal the furry boots from his Bruiser Brody berserker character. They're back. He's wearing tights that say Huss on them. And the crowd just eats this up immediately and start chanting Huss. And that's the way the match starts. And it's rewarding to the long-term fan. It's like, it's not ignoring the past. It's not like, let's let's just forget about it and move on to this. This is a nice little Easter egg, a nice little reference to something that we should all be aware of if you follow his career. And it's just it's these little things that make Jimmy Jacobs just, you know, he's a great creative mind and it works in so many levels. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And also just keep in mind, like, <laughs> the reaction to the punk ROH entrance um, at Revolution was... Uh, there were some really bad takes uh, related to that, but just keep in mind, especially for this, like this is 2010 at Dragon Gate USA show. So the Dragon Gate USA audience in 2010 is going to be pretty familiar with the stuff Jimmy Jacobs had been doing over the past five years. A hundred percent. They were, they were into it. They remembered it and they appreciated it, but the match itself, like again, it goes violent very quickly. What were your thoughts on the actual match? Were there any spots that you particularly like? And did, what was it much better than the, the first encounter? Oh yeah. It's a lot better than the, the first one. This is, this is like a legit, just great, great brawl. Like Moxley just charges him like to start and they're fighting on the ramp. And Jimmy does like a stage dive. He throws Moxley off the ramp, does a stage dive onto him. It's difficult to see what happens for the next minute or two because uh, Dragon Gate USA, not the best with lighting as, as you can see here, but you know, eventually they, they, they get it back into the ring and uh, yeah, it's just, it's just fantastic. Just, just, such good brawling but then also like they're actually doing moves and spots and counters and they just have such great chemistry working with each other and of course the lady friend gets involved again and the spike <laughs> is back again so like there's there's definitely throwbacks to the last match and it's rewarding to the viewer but like again they're probably not going to help the match totally in how it's going to be received overall but there are things that like again once they're done in moderation i'm okay with it yeah there's Jimmy is like, he's kind of leaning into his, his berserker character too. Like there's this, uh, oh, there was one thing that stood out to me. They had the spike and uh, I can't remember who, one guy went after the other guy. Uh, I think it was Moxley went after Jacobs with the spike and he missed, or it might've been the other way around, but he missed and he stuck the spike in the turnbuck, which shows that like, it's, 
it's sharp because like it's actually sticking in the turnbuckle. Um, so that, I thought that was a really cool spot. And then there's another spot where Moxley's slamming Jacob's head into the turnbuckle. And then Jimmy just kind of stops and looks at him and then starts slamming his own head into the turnbuckle. Like he's fired up and it's going to take more than that to, to take him down this time. And again, Mox looks very vicious. He, he's, he's not a high flyer. He isn't by any way a technical master. He looks like he's going to rip your head off. And that's really what we get here. And again, the end of it then is, it's Moxley wins. We have a bit of a schmoz at the end, but you know, Kamikaze USA, and of course, good old Brody Lee make, popping his head up. Yeah, Brody Lee, Brody Lee runs in and uh, you know fights off the Kamikaze USA. Just not something I remembered oh, <laughs> or, or saw coming. And it's like, oh yeah, this is this is cool. Like I had to look up who was on this show. Just because it was like, man, Dragon Gate USA, they have some good people here. So just kind of some of the, the other guys on this show, Silas Young, Samurai Del Sol, who is Callisto in WWE, Kyle O'Reilly, BB Hulk, Mike Quackenbush, Akira Tozawa, Brody Lee, Shingo Takagi, Dragon Kid, Chuck Taylor, Rich Swan, Johnny Gargano, uh, Masato Yoshino, Naruki Doi, Shima, Ricochet, Yamato, and of course, Brian Danielson. What a collection of talent. Just on this it's a, a murderer's row of either talent that's ridiculously over today or that were over at one period in time. Like these, this is this is a card that like if these guys are on it, you're gonna at the very least be mildly entertained. Oh yeah. Especially looking back, just like this weird intersection of all these guys at the at the same time, especially considering, you know, what they what they go on to do. That's why a lot of these guys are good today, because these were finding the pieces. They were given the chance to experiment, find themselves in these kind of, you know, independent shows. And again, like they grew as a result. And this match now is probably the, a, a lot longer than the last match, I'd say. Oh, easy, yeah. Easy. This is a 3.5 match for me. I think it it's it's escalated. It's way above average, but it can still get better for me. I think this this is really again, it's on a hill and it's rising every time the ascent is on the next match. Hopefully for me, I'm thinking this one, it's escalating. They're going to have a really good blow off match. And let's be honest, they did. Oh, yeah, for, for sure. The thing that I loved about how this match kind of ended and flows into the next one is that, you know, Moxley does pick up the win after uh, Kamikaze USA uh, interfered, but it wasn't as like Jimmy um, had him beat until they until they ran in. But then Moxley doesn't just like pin him right after that. He wraps his he wraps the coat around Jimmy's head, then ties the chain around Jimmy's neck, and then just smashes him in the head with a chair over and over and over again before to get the pin. So really, it's it's not just like oh man he cheated any one. It's like he cheated and then he brutalized this guy and it just builds up so much more bl- bad blood as the feud goes on. I, I'm a sucker for a good visual and there's a great visual in this match where, you know, he is hanging over, he's hanging with the chain over the top rope. And I just think this, it's just something so simple, but it, 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 the crowd buys into it. I, I think this is a fantastic spot visually. And these are the little things that like, you know, this just gives that match that little bit of extra juice and makes you appreciate it a little bit more. Well, what it is, it's storytelling. You know, it gets you into these characters and, you know, the back and forth. And you want to see what happens next between these two guys. And it's at, it's at a time when you look at like, what's going on mainstream wrestling and like, you know, let's say in what would have been TNA and WWE, like there was nothing this deep. There was nothing really this deep. Maybe Punk and Jeff Hardy, maybe at the time, maybe that would be really it. There was a huge void and really good storytelling feuds. There was obviously good wrestling there in certain parts, but 
mainstream wrestling was missing this kind of thing. This is why people gravitated toward these kind of matches on the independent scene. Yeah, I mean, just speaking as a fan at the time, like, you know, there were obviously with the mainstream wrestling, you know, TNA, WWE, there was stuff that I liked um, at the time, but also I was looking for something else because there were, you know, certain itches or tastes that I would have that the mainstream wrestling just wasn't delivering. So that's why I would look in, you know, look for other stuff like Ring of Honor. Or, so, so the uh, Miz Dragon wasn't doing it for you at the top of the card. <laughs> no, of course, he never did it for no. anyone at the top of the card. God bless him. He tried. He tried. But this match then, it comes then to the what we would call the blow-off match. You know, Mox is dominated. He's beaten the shit out of Jimmy Jacobs, but he can't keep him down. Jimmy Jacobs is coming back for more, and they will settle things in what would be one hell of a, of a street fight come October. What were your thoughts on this? What I always consider, again, the cherry on top build and then the match itself. Oh, man. So the build towards the I Quit match is just, it's fantastic. Jimmy cuts this initial promo where he's laying down the challenge and he admits that, okay, the match in Chicago didn't go how I visualized it. The loss shook my confidence. And he, he says this about Box. He's like, you are the most vile human being. You are evil for evil's sake. You can So you can see that like, okay, he's he's realized that maybe Moxley actually, while they do have similarities, maybe he's there are some significant differences as well. And he also has a, a couple other lines here that I really like. He's like, you stole the fur off my boots and you took my spike. It's like you're taking relics from my past. You want my past? You can have it. I don't want it. If you want to take something that matters to me, then take my future. Oh, just awesome line. Awesome lines. Oh, it's it's well written. Well written stuff. And I agree. I have that written down my notes right here. That that line about you took my boots, you took my spike, have my past. It's just phenomenal stuff. I love this. Looking back on this, I didn't want these to end. I wanted more and more. And I was really disappointed <laughs> when they, you know, they stopped. I was like, we're getting into the match. And I was like, oh, no, I'm really enjoying this shit. This is the sort of pro wrestling build that I love. And especially the next promo we get to, which is the, the Mox oh. I'm Never Satisfied promo. Adam, just take it away. Okay. So... I can't do Moxley's, you know, tone or intonation justice, but to to set the scene, he's at a house party standing in front of a refrigerator. (laughs) At one point in the middle of the promo, a guy just kind of walks behind him to get a drink from the, from the fridge, like get a beer. And also Moxley's wearing sunglasses at night for the entire time. So in terms of just like setting the scene, this guy is just raging. He's just living life, you know? And so I'm not going to go line for line here, but there's there's a a number of them that stand out. He starts, he says, I'm never satisfied. I can't have one shot of whiskey. I have to have 20. I can't go work out. I have to train until I can't stand up anymore. I can't screw one girl. I have to screw all of them. I can't drive a little under the speed limit. I have to drive 120. I can't win a fight. I have to pulverize and torture that guy so bad that when I look into his eyes, I know he'll never screw with me again. I live a very shallow and hollow existence. I live life the way it's meant to be lived. I live to feel alive because I have nothing to live for. Amazing stuff. Absolutely amazing stuff. I, I watched this and I was like, you know, if you're watching wrestling these days, I'm watching anything these days in this modern age, you might pick up your phone. You might just like have a little browse or something while something's going on. There was no twitching for my phone. There was no looking everywhere else. Like the house could be on fire. I'd probably still be watching this promo. I love this. It, like the way he continues on, he it's just like kind of the perfect contrast where he, he's contrasting himself with Jimmy and kind of explaining why he hates him. So he says, I will never get tired of beating Jimmy Jacobs. I despise you. 
I'm completely comfortable with you living the rest of your life in a wheelchair. There's one big difference between you and me. You're a victim. You let some slut drag you around by the balls in front of the whole world for years. You let drugs destroy your life because you're weak. You're weak, Jimmy. You're a victim. Oh, I, the one I have here that you've probably missed is like, I see Jimmy Jacobs in my cornflakes. I was like, it's so, <laughs> it's just made me laugh. It was like, this, this is, this is good. And it looks like he's doing it all off the cuff. There's people walking in front of him, going to the fridge. Just like, he looks like he's probably on day three of a probably a all week bender. Like, <laughs> he looks rough. He probably looks hungover. His eyes are probably bloodshot behind those glasses. And, but he just does it all so seamlessly. It's like effortless. Oh. If this guy tried, he'd be amazing. But he is amazing. He's not even giving a shit. It's just pure brilliance. So you can tell, like, this is something that he's just kind of coming up with. Maybe he's thought about it a little bit, but by no means is this written out. Like, but it's just so effortless for him. Like, it just, it's it's so impressive. He has such a, just a great creative mind for, you know, these promos and these storylines and really getting across, like, okay, this is what my character means. This is why I hate this guy. This is why we're fighting. Give a shit. Come watch us buy the pay-per-view. Watch us kill each other. And then Jimmy has, you know, some final words, basically a retort to set up this I quit match. So he he says, like, as different as our lives have been, we have one thing in common. We've always survived. Never stopped fighting. Never back down. Come Friday, something is going to happen that makes one of us stop fighting. And then he says, don't be confused. I went sober, not soft. I have built my reputation on matches like this. I have mutilated other human beings. Not only am I standing across the ring from you, I'm standing across the ring from my past. And I'm here to show you that the man that stands before you today is better than the man from previous years. I'm going to enjoy mutilating you. Everyone who witnesses it will remember who is the victim and who is the victor. Powerful stuff. Jimmy Jacobs, if you didn't think this guy was already a really super creative mind and has an absolute affinity for this business, this is the promo that you need to watch. This He, he gets it. We get oh, yeah. him. It's, it's pure gold. And you're rooting for him. Like, I think, generally speaking, I think Jimmy Jacobs is always better as a heel. I always think he's a very good chicken shit heel. He was he was vicious, but he he, he just had this look, that uh, this face that you want to punch, you know, like, and, <laughs> like, and that's brilliant, isn't he? He worked off it very well, but this, this face promo you don't see it often enough sometimes from guys of in lower down the card and like this matches this what you want this whole build has accumulated to this point here of this street fight and jimmy jacobs and moxie have really led us there on such a hill they're walking up there and everything is like similar to way mjf and punk have been they started off and they brought us up with this in a sense everything got better week after week and every promo and every match has has really wiped the floor to once before them it's phenomenal stuff yeah it's so jimmy is what you're right he is always better as a heel traditionally but this is a situation where this particular audience is very aware of his history and everything he's been through. And they appreciate like all the sacrifices he's made and all the performances he's put on before. So it's a situation, it's a situation where, yeah, this guy's a heel, but because of everything he's done, like the audience really appreciates him 
And they're going to get behind him when he's facing, you know, this new young hotshot who hasn't really proven himself yet and is just acting like a total dick and egomaniac. And this is a Moxie podcast. And I like, let's be honest here. I'm, a, I'm fascinated with the guy. I think he's a very likable guy in pro wrestling from his passion, whatever. But this is no fan podcast. We will look at things very objectively and I will shit on him when needs be. And we, I have done the past. Obviously, look at his, uh, the end of the 2018 WWE run. There's bad in there and we will shit all over it when we need to. But this arguably is probably one of his best, best performances from the build to the actual match and this match itself the I quit match it's a work of art in my opinion it was a great match Adam talk us through your thoughts okay so all this build everything leading up to this you know it's so heated and it's an I quit match of all things so it's like how are they gonna you know how are they gonna start this thing they're not gonna go lock up this match starts with a balcony dive the very first thing in the match you know, Jacob's music plays. Moxley's already in the ring. Jimmy Pot, he just shows up in the balcony and then just does a crossbody off the balcony into the ring onto Moxley. And that's he, how he the match starts. He wastes absolutely no time. And that's how a blood feud match should begin. You don't want to be just getting in, having introductions. You don't want to be shaking hands or waiting for things to happen. You want to rip this guy apart. He wants to rip you apart. Fuck him up. And that's what Jimmy Jakes was like. I'm just not going to waste any time. I'm going to get stuck in. Yeah. And, and it's perfect. It fits exactly with what they've built, you, you know, in, in their promos and in their prior matches. It's just, I don't know who came up with that. If it was, you know, Moxley or Jimmy or someone else, but just absolute genius to start that way. Uh, like, I, I imagine they just got to the venue and then saw that thing. And we're like, oh, damn, this is how we start the match. And, and there he doors straight away the, the use of the belt. It's vicious. Moxley sells it great. And you're right behind Jimmy Jacobs. You want to see Moxley get his comeuppance. And Jimmy Jacobs, he looks like a man possessed. And it's glorious. Yeah, oh, it is. It is. And then, you know, Moxley, he had uh, he had stolen the spike from Jacobs in their prior match. And actually, sorry, I just realized I got this confused. This is the match where the spike gets stuck in the turnbuckle. So I get such a cool visual because... You can tell like, oh, that spike is actually sharp because it's that he misses and then it's just stuck sitting in the turnbuckle there. So just a small thing like that just raises the intensity level. The one thing I would say about Moxley's work in this part, he's still, I wouldn't say he's not polished as a performer. I don't think he's ever even really polished as a performer in the overall skills. But in this match, he's very rough around the edges, but it works so well. It's like this sloppiness. It's like they're so angry at each other they're, they want to murder each other they're not thinking about how to do it they're not they're looking at this and they're just going for it whether they're gonna fall over or not get a move the right way it just added to this match like you know sometimes he's looks shit and it can really fall apart but moxie just looks he just wants to kill him no matter what jacobs this is the perfect foil for him and he, the sympathy that jacobs gets throughout the match is just you you're rooting for him you want this guy to finally get what he deserves you want moxie to finally get his comeuppance and jacob's like he's a great face in peril oh yeah yeah well the, the size disadvantage that he has in this you know because moxley you know he's like a normal sized guy in, in wwe but so he's a lot bigger than jimmy and this this match really kind of brings that out and it's just uh you're right it's just it, it really makes you sympathize with with jimmy where he's just he hates this guy but and he's just, he's trying as hard as he can, but Moxley is just, play, it's an I quit match, so there's no disqualification, but Moxley's pulling out some some dirty stuff here to, to get some advantages. And it's booked like an I quit match. Like, he gets a cloverleaf on at one point, and a really clever rope break 
in my opinion. It was a great way for him to get the move off him. He actually uses the rope more as his leverage rather than climb to the ropes and actually, you know, the referee breaks it like her and refuses to break it. It was a great little spot. Moxley falls out of the ring and it just looks authentic. It, like I said, it looks rough around the edges, but it works. It just looks like the two of them are spent. They're, they've no energy left, but they're still intent on one thing and one thing only, and that's ending the other guy. Yeah, yeah. And and what there there are some, you know, some some awkward uh transitions and things that happen, but there's also some really smooth stuff as well. Like these these guys had these guys had chemistry. Like Moxley transitions a backslide into a Fujiwara armbar and then he just starts elbowing Jacobs in the head while the armbar is still applied. Oh, like it was that a great was great visual. Yes. That was really cool. And then uh J- Jacobs like he he goes for a spear and Moxley just blasts him with this boot in the head, just like perfectly timed. And then Jimmy grabs the guillotine, but then Moxley uh transitions it into an Alabama slam, which looked yes. r- that looked brutal. It, <laughs> like, it, it, it looked like he was knocked into next week. He literally put all his momentum behind that slam. And it was just one of many read things I loved in it. I loved when Mox locks in a chicken wing. It doesn't look great. It's not the best chicken wing, but he looks like he's genuinely trying to take the jaw off, off of Jimmy Jacobs. Yeah, and also Moxley just looks completely unhinged, much like in 1994, Bob Backlund. So it fits, because <laughs> you associate that move with just like, a, this guy's just like batshit insane. And yeah, he's, yeah, he's deranged. It's, I will always, because of Bob Backlund, I will look at this and thinking only people who are absolutely mentally unhinged will use this maneuver. And it kind of <laughs> like true. You never really see many people using it unless they're kind of wanting to like really go off the deep end. And like, oh, the, 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 this match visually was a treat. There's some really, they let things breathe as well, especially when they're spit in the face by Jimmy Jacobs. Like, oh. it's, just, it's allowed to breathe and it just adds the crowd. That's when the, the things get taken up on that. Yeah, it's where Moxley has an advantage. He just slaps Jimmy in the face and then Jimmy just spits right back at him. Such a great interaction there. Such, oh. Again, like, little things like that are what really make a match like this. Initially, when I first saw this match, I really feared for Jimmy Jacobs. I'm thinking, he's getting tied up. He, Mox is really going full dastardly heel here. He's going to tie him up and really just toy with him with a chair or with a chain or whatever it may be. I think Jacobs does a phenomenal way of getting himself out of that predicament while also getting smashed in the head a few times. Like, it's just, it's phenomenal stuff. By the way, did Jimmy, I, I've never seen, like, someone do that many spots before with their hands tied behind their back like this? Did Jimmy, like, inspire Darby and Orange Cassidy? Orange Cassidy, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, like, and it's even more difficult because it's not in his front pocket like Orange Cassidy. Like, I've seen a few guys wrestle with their hands tied behind the back, but it's usually very short-lived. In this particular scenario, he really just, he, he looks, he's very, he shows his athleticism, and it's it's smart. It doesn't just, it's not contrived that he gets out of it. He looks like he genuinely works things to his advantage and manages to escape using his savvy more than anything else and like Mox again like he he's the perfect man at this stage because he's energyless he's spent his mind is is really just he's frustrated as he can't put this guy away no matter what and it works it just works yeah so Jimmy I mean he's got he's got his hands tied behind his back but he's able to he's able to like drop Moxley as a chair he's able to drop toe hold him into the chair and then he gets like that standing guillotine with his hands behind his back great spot great spot but then moxley gets out of it and just gets a mount and just jimmy can't put his arms up so he's just getting punched in the face over and over and over and over again and then he's got the spike and then he's just hitting him in the head with the spike over and over and over again but jimmy just won't quit because again it's an i quit match and no matter what moxley does jimmy won't quit 
Jacobs refused to go quietly. He was like, this is my hill to die on and I'm not letting, I'm not going to give you the satisfaction. But the spike again, as you say, gets brought into it and really it leads to the downfall for Mox. And what did you think of how the spike played into the finish? So Jimmy kicks Mox in the balls and then he does manage to get his, to get free himself to, to have, you know, his his arms again. And then they both have spikes. Uh, Jimmy no-sells a spike shot, fires wow. up and just, uh, it just like pounces on Moxley. And then after he's like hitting him with the spike, he's just going to town on him, finally paying Moxley back for all like the, the shots that he took earlier in the match. He's just going to town on him, but Moxley hasn't quit yet either. He like rears back, pauses, and then just stabs Mox in the balls with the spike. Every man in the world can, can relate to that spot. And that's a re- if there's any reason to quit. I can understand why someone would say, okay, that's that, that's that's kind of a hokey, a hokey finish to this blood feud. But if you like everything, all the violence that's happened so far, neither of these guys, you can just with their characters and the promos and the way that they've interacted in all these matches, neither of them is ever going to quit. And Jimmy sort of has an epiphany where he realizes that and realizes he has to do something different. And the only way he could think is just stab him in the balls. It doesn't matter how tough you are. Anyone is going to quit at that point. That's it. He will not be going to random bars to bang ugly chicks if his <laughs> balls aren't going to be attached to him. And Jacobs, listen, he gets the win that he so sorely deserves from a character point of view. The, the, the fans look like they've just been treated to an absolute masterclass of brutality and violence. And Jacobs, you know, he's he stands victorious while Mox gets his just desserts. And it's just from start to finish right now, this is a perfect story. Yeah, it's it's a classic. It really is. Like, you know, there, there might be other feuds that have better matches and there might be some other feuds that have, you know, better promos on like an individual basis. But just the way these guys played off of each other, the way the story escalates, the way the promos escalate and what it leads to in the end, it's just it really is just a classic feud that if you're a fan of Moxley or Jacobs, like this is something you should seek out. Definitely worth taking the time to watch both the matches and the promos. Like while the matches are obviously very different, I always the the story itself always reminds me of Austin versus Bret Hart and the story of where like Austin is just an absolute prick. He just wants to hurt Bret Hart the whole way through and he wants to stop him. And that's his sort of mindset. He's not concerned about wins and losses. He just wants to humiliate the hitman and get one up. Now, obviously, this is like a, a different level of brutality and violence and the, the matches obviously are night and day. But it's just, it's a story that I think is so, so simple and it's so relatable. Yet, you know, it's just rarely done. Yeah, like when I, when I was talking earlier about what makes wrestling great or, you know, what, what really makes great wrestling, personality and storytelling were two of the things that I mentioned. And this feud is a perfect reason why. So, you know, you were talking about how while they have good chemistry, they don't always have like they're not exactly technical masters here. You know, they have some awkward spots here and there, but you don't care. Because you're invested in the outcome, you understand the characters, you understand why these guys hate each other, and you just want to see what happens next. And that right there is really what makes great wrestling. If they went into this feud without the builds, without the promos, without the the passion behind everything, they would fall flat. And it's just not going to be the same way. And this match, I think, really benefits from just letting the fans know that this is a story to get invested in. This is why you need to get invested to it. And like everyone who's watched this match, surely can have a reason to say, listen, this is why this is good. I believe the story. I believe the authenticity of Jimmy Jacobs and Mox hating each other and the match itself. 
plays off of that and works wonderfully. And for, like, if you were going to give this like a star rating, Adam, what would you give it? Oh man, I don't know. <sighs> over over four, definitely. I, mm. I would say I have to go somewhere over four. It's not. I mean, probably probably four and a quarter. I think maybe four and yeah. a half. That's you know, pretty depending. much what you have here before in a quarter. Like again, I've seen better matches. I've seen better like stories overall. And I think as an indie feud goes, it's pretty it's pretty excellent stuff. It's again not top of the bar stuff, but it's excellent and it's very easy to digest, easy to enjoy, and easy to appreciate. Yeah, I think what I would say about this is if you're looking for looking for great matches, you can find better matches. But in terms of like following a feud from start to finish and really getting invested in it and wanting to see the outcome and, uh, you know, really getting invested in the characters. There's very few things on the indies that over the last decade that you're going to find that are as good as this. It's phenomenal stuff. Dave Meltzer never reviewed it himself from looking on cage match. And there's no, it, it, the buzz around this was it's never as big as other sort of feuds and other matches seem to get. Like it, when you think of Moxley's past, I think Drake Younger or William Regal matches get thrown to the top ahead of this one. And this one is not spoken about as highly for whatever reason. I think it's more because people are uneducated about it and people just don't, aren't really aware of it. And I think hopefully if people, some people listen to this podcast, hopefully they will at least find something new and hopefully be able to appreciate the, the value in independent wrestling Moxie and Jimmy Jacobs. Yeah. If you're, if again, if you're a fan of either of these guys, then definitely seek this stuff out because it's some of the best work of both of their careers, honestly. And we have to end really on the last match, which is most recent at Revolver in October 30th. Now, this is some 11 years on from this feud. Things have changed. Moxley has gone to FCW. He's gone to WWE. He has risen to almost the heights, the main event status in WWE. He, he had a run at the main event, but he was never the guy. Jacobs had a different career path where he actually went down the creative side of WWE's, you know, backstage uh, politics, if you will, and writing crew. He, two men on completely different paths. They both have now, for whatever reasons, one, Jimmy Jacobs obviously been fired and released after a, a little faux pas with the uh, the elite and Moxley obviously just not letting his contract really be extended and wanting to leave no matter how much money they dragged up to his door. These two guys are now free of WWE and they've had a really good, successful run in different ways, but they're going to meet again. What did you think of this uh, this match that was going to be taking place just after uh, just before Halloween in 2021? Yeah, this match, I got excited when I, when I saw that this was announced because I was like, oh, man, they're going to do it again. This is so cool. Like, because like so much had happened in both their lives. Like, you know, Jimmy, you know, he had gone to rehab, actually, you know, while he was on the creative team in WWE and then eventually realized, hey, like, I, I don't want to just be a writer anymore. I want to get back and wrestle again. So with the whole Bullet Club thing, he basically booked his own firing. <laughs> so and then you know moxley this is uh, interesting this is moxley's last match before he goes to rehab yes um, it's it's definitely a pivotal moment like obviously at the time we weren't to know what the future was going to hold we weren't prepared for the announcement that tony khan would make in relation to moxley future so in hindsight it's it's fascinating just going back and look and you can see obviously looking back there is signs that like maybe mox isn't you know 100 maybe he's not in the right frame of mind his body looks like he, he's a bit more bit more bloated he looks like he's obviously like you know he's not in the same sort of physical condition that he once was and it's it's unfortunate this was like the last match he would have for a while but like thankfully you know he did well go he, he went and put his hand up and said you know i'm gonna go and try and sort myself out and sort my shit out and thankfully he did 
and it, it, it's it's a testament to him but this match was one hell of a way to go out in a bang oh yeah yeah for sure I, to, honestly to both these guys credit you know they've both gone to rehab and gotten their life back on track like there's J- no Jimmy, shame in it whatsoever no J- jimmy i mean he's been on the impact creative team uh for for a number of years now and then he's also you know still wrestling on the indies as well so kind of has a nice balance of professional and passion uh fulfillment there so but seeing seeing these two guys like with so much that's happened in their lives like over the last decade and then they they have this match again and they still have like the same chemistry that they did. Like J- Jimmy Jacobs going for that like springboard ace crusher that he does off the turnbuckle. They always just had such great timing on those, and they pull that spot out again. And it just like it just made me smile. It just made me smile when I saw that. But the dynamic is a little different because at this stage, you know, Moxie he is a world famous star, and he is he's super over in AEW. He is like the the guy who said fuck you to WWE. He went and more or less carried the company during a really tough time during the pandemic. And like the guy is he's 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 earned his you know his hero status amongst you know professional wrestling fans. And it's a different dynamic watching Moxie nearly arrive here as the hero, and you know Jake was played a role of heel. Oh yeah, yeah, it's. So in that respect, yeah, the dynamic is very is very different. But it's like at this point, Moxley has this kind of the same history that the audience is aware of that Jimmy Jacobs had for the Dragon Gate USA audience back in, in 2010. So it's kind of interesting how that uh, that that dynamic flipped between them. Very poetic and how obviously things would turn out, especially for Mox obviously in the later later weeks to come. But this match itself is it's brutal. It's it, 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 oh it's, god. Like, expectations probably weren't as high because Jimmy Jacobs probably wasn't the man he used to be in my head like and Moxley obviously like he probably won't be generous maybe in my own head before this match begins I'm thinking to myself he's probably he's a big star now he doesn't have to take these crazy bumps at like a random revolver show like he probably is going to save this best stuff for maybe AEW or at very least GCW but these two guys they they go all out that's the that's the interesting thing that's so fascinating about Moxley is like he has he has all the money he needs, like, and he's still a giant star, and he's still getting paid well. Why is he doing these indie shows? And he's still he's like, putting washers and drawers in, you know, his missus's house. Like, you know, that's he's still that guy. He just, he's, he's a very no frills, do everything yourself. He doesn't need any hands, and he will. He's not gonna half-ass things. No, no, he's not. And, and I think that's what makes him so so fascinating, and that's why people love him so much. It's just pure passion. So like, he's doing this. He's doing this this crazy match with his his old friend, you know, his old rival. That you know, there's some. I think you know, over time, I think maybe in some promos leading up to this, they've alluded to their history. So maybe some people looked up, you know, all the stuff that we just talked about. And man, they do they do not disappoint. They want to live up to everything that they did a decade before. Like you know, they're not living off the past. They they want to meet the standard that they set. Oh, and like Jacobs in the promos in the bio, as you, you you touched on there, like. It's probably not the best build in the world, you know, it's, it's short and brief, but Jacob still has some killer lines, you know, like he's like, you know, like, oh, you didn't like WD Creative? Well, I'm taking offense to that, you know, you didn't like that. Like, you know, <laughs> like, he's like, you know, like, I'm a fucking princess. I'm gonna, I'm always going to get what I want. It's just, it's not the best, don't get me wrong. It's, it pales in comparison probably to their previous sort of builds, but I still enjoy it. As a nostalgia pop, I just like, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm perfectly fine with this. They're just always going to... I don't know what their personal relationship is or their interpersonal dynamics. They must be on good terms, you imagine, considering they're working together, especially Mox agreeing to work together. Yeah, yeah, I would I would think they just... But I was just going to say, like, I don't know how close they are, um, but obviously you can tell they just love working with each other. 
they do and like, like I said, it's a strong match like you know like it's straight and it's a, just some great visuals first and foremost in this match where it's like you know mox licking the fork you know a little nice little <laughs> throwback to the old the old promos and old matches like it's just little things rewards the long-term viewer and john moxley jimmy jacobs i appreciate it oh yeah 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 me, me too and that you know i've said this so many times while we've been talking but it's it's the little things with both of these guys like both in their promos and in their work in the matches that just they reward you for paying attention and it just makes you enjoy it that much more oh it is and like again it's a it's a vicious match and like you know it's a shame that mox was obviously head deep in his, his demons at this stage he, like you know it's 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 a pity that, that like such a man like you know who, who i really appreciate and really find fascinating who's going through such a tough time and this match still it's very violent oh, moxie like i can't say this enough he's authentically believable here like you you just get this sense this guy really does want to like he wants to hurt someone and he's getting his jollies off by watching this and participating in this and it's i could watch i could watch moxie reading in any sort of brutal sort of you know stipulation how match any day of the week really once he's being himself and he's he's got no restrictions yeah and, and i mean from a kayfabe perspective too like he lost their last match like over 10 years ago so you can imagine like that's just been eating at him this whole time and he's yeah. he's not gonna lose again like again it's a nice throwback match like again like it's not probably hitting the heights of the i quit match you know and it, but it's still in 2021 to watch moxley and jimmy jacobs revisit their feud I love this match. I thought it was really enjoyable. I didn't think it was the perfect match by any means, but and then neither of them are really perfect people at the end of the day either, but they they deliver and they make me, you know, enjoy wrestling for a good 20 minutes at a time. Thank you so much. That was I just think they're they're both really good at their craft and it shows. I really had such fun just watching this from like the start of this in 2010 to all we were we were here now in 2021 it's it's been a great ride oh yeah for sure and they did not half-ass this at all like barbed wire boards and then jimmy like the barbed wire gets wrapped around him after he gets thrown into it it's just like oh man these guys these guys just they honestly cannot help themselves they can't I, help themselves I, I, I don't know what it's like to be thrown on anything i always look back and say the like some of the matches we've seen recently that are on my head like joey janela moxley for example or even like omega moxley like from the, the kenny omega exploding barbara death match and like some of the spots you know and they're getting torn and they're, they're they're pulling their skin away from the the i don't know how really sharp these things is but it can't be easy but the adrenaline must be taking these guys to a point where they's like do you know what i don't give two fucks i'm gonna deliver it's just fair play to these guys i wouldn't do it no i, I like I, I'll, I'll never understand how people want to be paid to be punched in the face no i'm good well that's that's why we're talking to each other right now instead of uh, <laughs> getting blown up somewhere <laughs> It is, it is. But Adam, it's been a fantastic revisit this feud with you. Thank you so much for coming on. But we always end the show on what your favorite John Moxley memory is. Now, if it is this match, all well and good. But if you have a different one, please share it with us. Oh, no. My favorite John Moxley memory is a personal one. Uh, it was in, I, I think, 2012. I was just at a local WWE house show. And then he just came out. He was just on the road for some reason. He wasn't on television. Yeah. And I recognized him and I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, it's John Moxley. Why is he? Why is he here? And he had a match with Alex Riley, who had been off TV for a while. And then I just started, I think Riley was supposed to be the baby face because it was after he had turned on Miz. Yeah. But I just, I was just rooting for, for Moxley. And uh, I got a few other people to start rooting for him with me. And we heckled <laughs> Alex Riley. 
the fans were so aware. Like I've looked back at some of the early Shield stuff and the FCW stuff. They're aware who John Moxley is. Like you know, there's a few faint Mox chants in the crowd, and like the guy obviously has a bit of a reputation going into WWE at like a mainstream level, which is just the guy deserves it. He had a really good indie career beforehand, and there's no doubt about it. Like you can see why people want to root for this guy. Yeah, yeah. So I was I, I was always a always a fan of him since I since I saw this feud and was really you know really excited to see what what he would do in WWE and then uh you know later couldn't wait for him to get out of WWE I really have to look up what Alex Roddy's doing these days it's been a long time I think the last time I seen him was in um the Netflix show Glow I think that's the last time I think I remember this guy that probably is like the last (laughs) any wrestling related thing he did other than maybe an autograph (laughs) signing or something it's been a while you're what right. might have been for him but like adam thank you so much for coming on the show and it's been a pleasure thank you so much is there any way like anything you're doing at the moment that you'd like to plug or where can people reach you oh uh i'm on twitter um so yeah you can uh check me out i'm adam bomb underscore 5150 um and then i'm a contributor at voices of wrestling so uh, i've got a few columns up there my last one was about uh my experience attending the control your narrative show in orlando and just to be clear adam did not go to the rant room he could not control his narrative just to be clear they didn't put up a sign i couldn't sure. find it that's okay you don't you have to explain yourself to me adam it's okay i i just believe you didn't want to go into a dirty closet with austin aries it's fine it's for the best. It's for the best. <laughs> no, Adam, it's been a pleasure chatting to you and we wish you best in your future endeavors. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. That, of course, was Adam Berger, of course, of VoicesWrestling.com. Have a look at his stuff. He's great to have him on. And that's the end of the show, folks. It was an absolute terrific time looking back at this feud. And if you want to follow the podcast on Twitter, it's at MoxPodcast or follow myself at Joe. We'll have a look back. We'll have future episodes coming up, of course, every week, right here every Wednesday, and you can check us out every week on Red Circle. Thanks very much, guys. Take care. Have a good one.